0: Let's, uh, let's bring in our first guest tonight. He's a writer and reporter for Sports Illustrated, one of my favorites. Let's welcome Richard Deitch back to TSN 690. Hello, sir.
1: How you doing, Dave?
0: I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh, blown away by uh, the last few days of news. It's just, uh, it's been incredible, and there's so many angles with which to attack this, but uh, let's start with what you're expecting tomorrow from the NBA.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's really, you know, sometimes you get a feeling of, a story and how big it's going to be. And I read the TMZ piece, if you want to call it a piece, I guess, the Donald, you know, sort of the Donald Sterling revelation and the tape whenever it came out, maybe like 20 minutes after it came out. And I sort of just knew. I had the feeling that this was going to blow up and blow up in a massive way because there's a visceral reaction when people hear something on audio or when they see something on video. Compared to if they read it in print, if they read it in a deposition, you know, all these people have said and they're not wrong. Donald Sterling's been this kind of guy for a long time. How come never? How come nobody said anything before? Et cetera, et cetera. You know, because the audio is viscerally, um, you have a reaction to it, and that's what started everything. You know, you hear it and you can't sort of let it go. If you're any individual with any kind of, you know. Thinking or humanity. So this leads us obviously to tomorrow with Adam Silvers making his, uh, yeah, having his press conference. Uh, and my sense is that uh, the NBA has to suspend him, and they have to suspend him for sure for the postseason. But I think that's kind of easy, to be honest. And what I think ultimately is going to happen is the NBA is going to, they're going to suspend him for the postseason, and I think they're going to, I think they're going to say that we're going to have, you know, we'll, we'll so we're going to continue to investigate this, and you know, after the postseason, we'll make a decision on Donald Sterling. But what I think ultimately is going to be the case is I think he's ultimately going to give up day-to-day running of the team. I don't know if he's going to have to be forced to sell. That's a, you know, that's a long way away. Then that's a little tough. But basically, Donald Sterling's NBA life, as we know it, is over. In my opinion, he will never be. He will never be the day-to-day quote-unquote owner whatever that means of the clippers again and i think tomorrow starts the formal process of that basically ending
0: i'm blown away richard by the uh, the response from the the elite of the league seeing uh, seeing kobe's tweets and seeing lebron's lebron's statement was something else that's something that yep. that i think that sports fans have been waiting for from michael jordan forever and there's lebron stepping up and doing it
1: yeah you know i don't think lebron james can be praised enough in this situation because as the, as, the, as the most famous player, most famous athlete in any league, you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. And usually, and I'm not even sure I blame Jordan for this, usually the way to sort of handle and deal with that uh, responsibility is to let your performance on the court or the field of play speak for itself. And when it comes to social issues, just be very middle of the road because you're sort of generally speaking, your goal is to appeal to as mass an audience as you can and when you start taking stands, whatever stand you take, you're going to obviously alienate a group of people. So I thought it was, to be lack of a better word, incredibly ballsy or LeBron James to go out and basically, in, I think in most people's opinions, do the right thing here, be outraged at what was absolutely, you know, unconscionable language on Donald Sterling's part, and clearly the guy has a history of racism. Well, let's not let's not like pussyfoot around here. This is a this is a um, a real kind of los- you know, loathsome, repugnant figure. And LeBron James totally called him out on it and said this is not the kind of guy that should be owning an NBA franchise. And Donald Stone is probably not the only person who owns an NBA franchise who shouldn't be owning an NBA franchise. But if nothing else, the star of the league stepped up, went public, put his name to something that stood for something, as did Kobe Bryant. So I the the... I give the, the those two guys in particular, props, and I'm giving a lot of props to NBA players who, so far to me, have really stepped up and shown me something. And I do wonder if in another league, this would have happened. The NFL in particular is a very conservative league. You know, I wonder would we have heard from uh, a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, Drew Brees, et cetera, if the situation was reversed. I, I hope, I hope we would. But I'm not sure.
0: Well, I don't um, think we I don't think we would. And, and I'll tell you, I, I look at it, maybe if there were more Native Americans in the National Football League, the Redskins issue would be looked at as a bigger deal by the players. I think that's
1: really well said, and I totally agree with you. If there was a Native American star in the National Football League who sort of stepped up and said, I'm incredibly offended by the Redskins team nickname, um, I think that would have an impact. You know, one of the things that, with these situations, which is really clear, is that People become emboldened when they see others um, become public, so if you know you see a LeBron James make a statement like that and you're'm well, trying to yeah you know, you're David West of the Pacers or your um I'm trying to think Patrick Beverly of the Rockets I'm just naming basically other guys in the league you see the number one guy in the league say something that 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 gives you power to say something yourself right that's what I've liked in this NBA situation is that everybody now at this point is sort of playing on each other. And again, maybe people are saying, oh, media frenzy, everybody just wants to light this guy up. Yeah, well, I don't think that's a problem in this situation. Deservedly so. It lit up a long time ago, and, uh, you know, not that I'm gleeful about it, but it, it does sort of give me... Um, I don't know how to sort of phrase it. It just it makes me feel good about the NBA, that that, that people have sort of stepped up for the right on this one. And this is a guy who really should be castigated for not just what he said on the tape, but how he has sort of lived his life towards minorities in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, I I would like to believe Adam Silver would do the right thing based on, you know, what he can do rules-wise, litigious-wise. And we'll see tomorrow. I think the train is so far out of the station now that Adam Silver should feel that he's got some power to really put the hammer on Donald Donald Sterling. You've seen other owners step up. Um, You've seen, obviously, sponsors uh, for the Clippers pull out. At this point, I think the NBA has only one option, and even if Sterling is litigious and fights it, I think the NBA has got to go all in.
0: In conversation with Richard Deitch from Sports Illustrated on TSN 690, you can follow Richard on Twitter, and I highly suggest that you do, at Richard Deitch, D-E-I-T-S-C-H. Richard, I want to ask you a journalism question. If Sports Illustrated had been given a tape of a private conversation between Donald Sterling's girlfriend and himself, would you guys have run with it?
1: I think we would have. Now, keep in mind I'm not the managing editor of Sports Illustrated, so I don't speak for the magazine. I'm just speaking for me, um and what I would have done if had I been in that position. Um, I think we would have tried to, you know, vet as close to possible that it was him on tape. Obviously we would have went to him and or his uh Lawyer, Representative Sterling I'm talking about, presented what we had and asked for a comment. My guess is we probably would get a no comment in that situation when we would try to get to the, uh, the woman who was on the tape. Now, again, Dave, your question sort of is a supposition of how did we get the tape, and that would obviously right. give us uh, some pretty good standing in terms of how we know, you know how authentic we think it is or not. But given all that, and again, this is just my opinion, I believe that would be newsworthy enough. This is a public figure, an owner of a sports team, saying pretty inflammatory stuff on top of that with a record, um, a legal record of you know discrimination cases and stuff like that. So I would run it. Um, it is interesting. I do wonder what other organizations would run it. But if I was in charge of Sports Illustrated and that tape landed in my office and I could that it where I, you know, felt really confident it was Sterling, and obviously went to him and all the other parties to try to get comment. I would run it. I would.
0: Interesting to see TMZ uh, and Deadspin kind of take the lead on this one after seeing uh, Deadspin take the lead with Manti Te'o, and it just feels to me like the the landscape has changed a bit.
1: It has. Now keep in mind that you know while it's a nice sort of narrative to say that Deadspin is a sort of a uh, you know rebel force out there. They're they're owned by Gawker Media. They're multi million dollar. Media company at this point, so I don't even see them as uh, like iconoclasts or anything like that. To me, they are the mainstream. TMZ is owned by Time Warner, it's a mainstream company. So um, that said, the things that are interesting about TMZ and Deadspin is I think they can they push the rules much further than traditional mainstream places. Um, You know, they're willing to have the potential for. This is just sort of my thought. Would be they're willing to sort of. Be potentially in litigation or sued far more easily than a New York Times or a place like that. Um, you know, whether that's sort of a roll of the dice or just good business, you know, sort of depends on where you're coming from. But you're right. I mean, they have um, to, uh, to dismiss them in journalism terms, you do so at your own peril, especially if you're a subject, because um, you know, not only have they broken stories, Dave, but what what becomes interesting is they become a repository for people who may have significant news information. So, you know, and again, I don't know if this, hap- this happened, but, you know, TMZ is known for breaking a lot of Hollywood, Los Angeles-related stories. So if you're brokering the kind of tape that Donald Sterling is on, you are most likely going to contact TMZ far before you contact the LA Times. Secondly, TMZ will probably pay for it. No, I shouldn't say Probably. Definitely, right. Where your traditional journalism outlet, New York Times, Sports Illustrated, etc., will not. The one thing you didn't ask me, and I will tell you now: if somebody sort of came to Sports Illustrated and said, "Hey, we'll give you this tape, but we want ten grand for it," we would turn them down on face. We wouldn't even have that conversation. Place like Deadspin, if they thought that ten thousand dollars was worth maybe fifty or a hundred thousand in advertising, they'd do it.
0: Sure, they were ready to raise two hundred grand for the Rob Ford crack tape, Gawker Media. Exactly. So I don't think they had any qualms about. I mean, I don't know what this would have cost, but. I'm guessing it's not in the same six-figure area. Although although
1: I will say this, Dave, I don't know if you've been on the site, though, but, you know, last I checked, that's been had more than a million-plus views on the um, Sterling tape, you know. So somebody smarter than me would be able to figure out metrically what that means for them. But, you know, there's a a sort of a cost-benefit analysis you can do, how many page views you get on something versus what you could pay. And my guess is that if they're over a million in page views, this tape must be worth five, ten grand. That would be just my guess, you know, uh, alone if not more. So um, if debt's been paid money to get this additional, uh, you know, Sterling tape, whatever they paid, unless it was just astronomical figures, they're going to come out ahead.
0: Finishing up with Richard Deitch from Sports Illustrated. You know, Richard, uh, Gary Smith never really had to deal with clickbait journalism. (laughs) Right. Uh, I'm going to miss his writing a lot. I think back to a a wonderful article that that I hope I can find online again about uh, a couple of divers. Do you remember that one?
1: Yes, I do. Um, that is, uh, what is this? I don't know if it's in the deep or I should actually, I'll, I'll see if I can find it on my online here as I'm talking to you. It might be Shadow of the Deep, um, but um, that's. Um,
0: it was a story yeah, of guess, two people in love, and they were going. They were right. trying
1: basically, to break. It's, the... base, it's about it's about two deep divers, basically, right. um, and you know, it's a pretty. Uh, what is it? It's called The Rapture of the Deep. There we go. That's okay. Gary Smith story. Um, and that's it, a, it's a kind of an amazing story in that if I you know if I'm correct about this, they were two deep divers, a man and a woman, or a man and his girlfriend, who were trying to set the free dive record. Where I guess you go, basically you dive to it's competitive free diving. You dive to however whatever the length is um, below the surface, and it's just like a kind of a crazy um depth and the if i'm right about this i think the woman i think the girlfriend was attempting to break the boyfriend's world record and in that attempt the girlfriend died and there was you know sort of all sorts of just sort of craziness going on with that story from just how unbelievable i guess you call it athletic achievement this kind of athletic kind of competition is as well as sort of you know what was going on with the relationship? Should the woman have even gone down there? And then eventually, I believe that story ends with the the, the man attempting to make the same dive, uh, deep dive that the woman did. But yeah, I mean, it was just it's a kind of story that you just you don't read in any sports magazine. Right. And with the skilled writer that Gary Smith is, um, you know, it, it just it became an an incredible story. I think, I think the movie, I think the rights to the to the story were optioned. Gar, Gary Smith has done at my magazine so much incredible stuff from profiles of Andre Agassi to Mike Tyson to Alan Iverson he um he was famous for you know interviewing 100 150 people for a story he uh he was almost in a weird way like an FBI profiler in that he would try to psychologically get in his subjects heads um which he did often and then he obviously just you know he he was he was gifted by god to to sort of be blessed with the kind of prose that most people will never be blessed with. So, he was a rare kind of incredible talent. It's not going to come around again. Um he officially retired from Sports Illustrated today and um it's you know, it's the end of an era uh for our magazine. There's not going to be another guy like that coming
0: around. Well, I really looking I'm looking forward to tomorrow where uh, Sports Illustrated is going to be tweeting out a lot of his great articles and I imagine that a lot of people will be sharing some memories and uh, I think it'll be a fun day to be following you on Twitter.
1: Yeah, that is the plan at si.com. Um We're going to be sending out a lot of Gary's stuff, and we probably have like 40 staffers, former and current, as well as some well-known sports writers who um, sent us a paragraph of what their favorite Gary Smith story was, why it was their favorite story, and we'll send that along as well. So if you're a fan of sports writing, um, tomorrow on SI.com should be a good day.
0: Richard Deitch from Sports Illustrated, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Dave. Have a wonderful night.
1: You too.